0: Welcome back, friends, fellow philosophers, to this Wild Isle podcast. I have with me the legendary man who I've been trying to get on this podcast for more than a year, Adam <laughs> Mick. How are you doing, Adam?
1: I'm doing great. It's uh, It's been uh, not something that uh, I was necessarily putting off on purpose, <laughs> but uh, I am glad to, to meet with you. Uh, legendary is a little bit of an overkill or overstatement, uh, but uh, excited to talk with you
0: today. Yeah, I disagree. I don't think it's an overstatement, uh, making Adam spit up his coffee. Uh, so, Adam, for our listeners, uh, just can you let them know just a tiny bit about yourself, um, what you do, and, yeah, that would be sufficient.
1: Sure. Yeah, I my profession is I'm a pastor of a local church, a non-denominational church uh, called Christ Community Church. It's uh, a non-denominational Christian church. Um, been here in Wheeling for about 12 years And before that, I had been in banking uh, for seven years and had been a pastor of a little bit more of a fundamental uh, Baptist church uh, in Arizona Uh, prior to that. uh, Many negative experiences that uh, at the time seemed negative, but um, turned into positive, uh, as most things that are negative do uh, in our lives. And I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit later. I've been married for 19 years. Um, Same thing, lots of lots of ups and lots of downs uh but uh much much better these last 12 or 13 years than the first seven or so and i have two wonderful kids uh 16 and 13 and so life is an adventure and uh, life looks much different now than it did uh even just four or five years ago as is the case for just about everybody uh with these crazy last few years that we've gone through
0: yeah so you can see why I called Adam there a legend, oh, oh, my listeners, no really, um so you have a rather interesting background um that it will- it will come up you mentioned um let's say all the things that seem to be at the time negative being positive, I think that's going to end up uh whether we like it or not, being a theme of the conversation um But before we begin and get into it, I'm going to shill a few things. Uh, Firstly, if you would like to be part of this podcast or have a topic that you'd like to recommend, that's totally possible. You can contact me at my website, wildisellit.com slash contact. Uh, Go there, check it out, fill out the form, send in a topic. If you happen to know me or know of me or some way I could vet who you are out there on the wide World of the internet, uh, do so. And I'd love to have you on. We can record online, and it would be an excellent time. Uh, while you're there at com, you could check out my book, Smoke. Broken. It is a weird fantasy fiction novel. Reads kind of like a cross between a western and a literary novel. If you're into that kind of thing, check that out there. And while you're there, if you happen to be an author, uh, you can hire me. I am an editor and I run the Wild Isle Style Guide. So if you want to expand the style of your writing, um, break out of the kind of you know the generic that you see on the shelf of every bookstore and gigantic uh, waves shelf after shelf. Give me a give me a Message. Use that same form, slash contact, and uh, we can work together. You uh, can write stylistically, it can embed theme into your work. And other than that, I think we can begin for today. Now, Adam, um, here's a, a weird question. You might have, if you, I think you've listened to me talk to I Josh have. Broverman, right? Yeah, both interviews. Yeah. So something that I always thought was funny with my conversations with with Josh. Josh, this applies a little bit less so, but not too much less so, um, is that we are both rather secular people, but we always ended up coming back to rather um, spiritual or religious topics, Um, which is, it's funny, right? Uh, But it seems to be something that is rather particular to our day. I have uh, another friend who is often on the podcast uh, named Nathan, and the same thing ha- ends up happening in our conversations in a different way. Um, but the the question that I want to springboard from that is, do you see that? I mean, this is your profession, so you you're you're in it amongst uh, you know religious folk, but just in general in life, um, are you seeing that amongst people, like a kind of return to spirituality away from the uh, particular secular materialism of the past generation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, there's uh, some sort of uh, longing that we all have for more. And I think that there's a mystery uh, out there and we can grasp for knowledge and we can uh, try to find satisfaction and joy and all kinds of different things and accomplishments and achievements. But um, I think it always leaves us longing for a little bit more. And so, um, especially with uh, how much has been out of our control uh these last uh several years uh with just kind of the chaos of the world uh with politics and um yeah, i mean just about everything uh just the the craziness of the world i think that there is a, a longing for something deeper and something more um that's increasing at the same time there's uh kind of a uh we're sick of uh religious establishments that have all the answers and are trying to force their way down our throat and so it's kind of a weird we're done with uh religion but we're longing for spirituality if if that makes sense
0: yeah those are the usual terms when it comes to like the institution so you might say the uh the human side of the um actually you could think of it as an inhuman side I'll explain that in a second but for for the sake of ease of conversation, so you have the um let's say a spiritual versus human or the spiritual versus material, the institution being a you know a, a construct around which people can gather and then experience the spiritual that's the idea sure um why why then uh, I ask myself questions often Adam I don't know if you ever heard me do this. Um, I have. Well, it's okay. good. Okay. Just to make sure. Um, so the question then that arises out of that is why then did I say it is actually perhaps inhuman? Um, I'm going to, I'll posit this idea to you. I want to know what you think about it. So the aspect of us that is human is deeply rooted in our essence, right? It It, it would not make sense to say that we are not as humans, essentially human. Um, and if we want to speak about that in spiritual terms, the word that typically gets used is like the soul, right? Mm-hmm. So the essence is the soul. The soul is a human soul. There's something that you can't you can't subdivide it out. If you break the human part off, you would end up destroying the aspect that would make it what it is itself, which would essentially destroy that, that soul, if you will.
1: The integration of it all.
0: Yes. yes. Um, and what I find actually is that uh, institutions – at best are tools, right? And what are they tools in service of, right? Because a tool uh, facilitates the function of a thing. And I think fundamentally, for human beings, tools serve the, let's say, the various, I don't know how to pluralize this in Greek, but the the Greek word is telos or purpose, purposes. Func- I like the word function, actually, because in English, when I say the word function, I can strip away the subjectivity because a thing does do a thing, right? Sure. I can, you can't.
1: Yeah, it's a utilization from. of, yeah, right. or a purpose. Yeah, I like that.
0: So, what would that mean? Well, that would mean, and I'll wrap this up because I've been jabbering on for a while, uh, as I tend to do. What that would mean is that actually institutions, once we make them, once we solidify them as things separate from us, the living, breathing, uh, if a religious, soul-bearing being, they become these artifices, they become constructs. They are no longer alive, and they, like any other tool, um, are exposed to the uh, the atrophy or the um, uh, enthalpy. Or I don't know what the right thermodynamic term to describe that is. But uh, you understand what I mean. They start to decay. Sure. They start to rust. They start to no longer move with let's say the rest of the living breathing uh i don't even want to say being but like the, the rest of existence i want to use a I take a divergence and hopefully that's right into to daoism so in Taoism, they they depict the fundamental reality that you cannot describe the dao that cannot be named right mm, the mystery as, the mystery as being like a river right because it moves And it's never the same, right? And you can't grasp it. You can't, uh, and it it follows its course. um, And so that that you know uh, that thing that the Tao that cannot be named, to to, to say it that way, is what the institutions are not. And eventually, they get left behind. Yes.
1: No, I I I can resonate with all of that. I kind of think of um, organism and organization. And so a lot of times what happens is uh, things need to be organized. And so that's a good thing. And so we take this beautiful, uh, organic um, mystery of 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 life and and the soul and the integrated life uh, when everything's connected, our mind, body and soul, and we put it into this organized box uh, such as a a church or really any organization and we put rules and procedures and structure to it uh, and slowly but surely as you were saying it kind of loses that organic nature and therefore it loses the mystery Uh, and then you have a bunch of people who are part of the organization who now think that they have all the answers uh, and we are right and everybody else is wrong and don't tell us that we're wrong Uh, and basically what we've done is we put God into a box uh, that fits our liking and any idea outside of that box uh, really uh, is something that we'll reject and we're the ones when we do that that really miss uh, the boat and miss out on the joy and the peace and the purpose uh, and kind of the the life and life to the fullest that's available uh, when we don't put God into that box uh, and utilize the tool, as you mentioned, uh, kind of the function uh, of of what the original purpose uh, was, uh, you know, for just that, a, a purpose rather than this is my all in all, I have all the answers and nobody can tell me differently.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're jumping. Down deep, rather quickly. I didn't expect us to get here so fast. So this reminds me of the Tower of Babylon. And um, does that make sense to you immediately, or should I should I elaborate?
1: Um, I I think I know where you're going, but go ahead and elaborate. Yeah. All right.
0: So my understanding of the story of the Tower of Babylon is it is when human um, arrogance or pride reaches such a peak that they seek to make for themselves a godlike edifice. Right or a god itself, and I think that when people come to worship their institutions, which is like you said, if you you can't put God in the box, but if you think you can, you make a box and you think you've got God in there, right? Yeah, and then you start worshiping the box that you made and the God that you think that you capture that isn't there, and the Tower of Babel. What happens? Right, they make this tower that they think can reach the heavens this is their now their replacement for god and the only thing that happens is that their tower falls down and they become divided amongst themselves and can no longer understand one another because and this might be this is this is perhaps diving a little bit deeper but you the reason i wanted to talk to you is because i can't dive this much deeper with you without let's say losing you in the water um is that when you build this tower, the tower is not God. And what is God? So my understanding of um, one of the, the the ways that you say the, the name of God is it roughly translates to like that I am, that I am, or like that is, which is, something like that, right? Yep. Yes. And if you, I mean, if you really think about what that means, that means that that which is the most real. That which is like the, I always call it the backstop, like the point at which your opinion does not matter anymore. You hit this, and this is what is. I am that I am. I am like I, yes. that is which is. So when you build this tower of Babel, the tower is not that which is. Which is if I switch it to secular speak, so our modern people can understand, <laughs> right? Well, you lose you lose people, right? Sure. Um, but if I if I switch that to secular speak, it's saying building a tower that is out of accord with let's say the laws of reality of course it's going to fall it can do nothing else but fall because it is out of accord with with reality with god and seeks to replace it yes and the reason why the people can't understand each other is because what what you're doing when you do that is you're replacing um the objective so god would be the objective right because if god is that which is god is the object aside from how you perceive it, it does not matter how you think it should be it is yes right it says to you i am that i am yep. and there's nothing that you can do to change it right you can you can kill your brother in the field and then all that happens is you get cursed yes right
1: there's consequences that you will face no matter what.
0: Yes. Um, there, there is no there is no vengeance against God. There's only vengeance against oneself, right? So then the people are now worshiping their own subjectivity when they worship the Tower of Babel. And when you worship your own sub- subjectivity, there is no common object by which to mediate you and everyone else. Now we can't understand one another, right? Um, you mentioned earlier that in some ways, people are seeking back a spirituality, but then um, you kind of hinted very roughly at a pushing away from that, right? I think that is, it's probably like the eternal struggle. Yes, exactly. Right?
1: It's something that's always happened, not just these last four or five years, it's throughout all of human history. We have a tendency uh, to run away from God my definition of God, it's the same as your definition of God that you gave a moment ago, Um, run away from God, but also a desire for God. And so it's this weird tension that we live in um, because we want to be our own gods uh, and we want to be our own leaders of our own life, which makes sense. I mean, why would we want somebody else or something else that we don't understand leading us and guiding us? And we think we can do it better. Uh, But Augustine said that uh, the human heart is like a idol-making factory or something along those lines. And uh, to your point with the Tower of Babylon, I, that's exactly it: is We are trying to be our own God, and so sometimes we make our own self-preservation uh, our God. Uh, or um, achievement or success or whatever uh, thing that we put out there as a goal, which isn't inherently bad or good necessarily in and of itself. But when we make it our in our our everything, uh then ultimately uh we are gonna be disappointed and it's going to fail us. It's all gonna come crumbling down <laughs> like the tower, uh, because it's not in my mind uh what we were created for.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably true beyond just your mind, it's not what we're created for. Otherwise we'd accomplish it, right? Uh otherwise we'd be capable. Um there's a word. Uh it's getting more use recently um uh, thanks probably in large part to James Lindsay because he keeps harping on about it uh but the word gnosis right mm. no uh, uh, for you're familiar with the word gnosis right so uh, when I say that what what uh what triggers in your mind what idea
1: share a little bit more about what you mean I want to make sure that okay. I'm on yeah, the yeah right no,
0: no no here. it's we are we're, we're diving deep here right uh so gnosis is. It's not just knowledge, right? Because then I would just use the word knowledge. Gnosis is like this concept of...
1: G-N-O-S-I-S. Yeah, Yeah. right? Exactly.
0: Now, the idea of having gnosis is like having... A better way to say it is it's like knowing the mind of God, right? Like knowing that is which is in a way that normally, by definition, no being could actually know, particularly no human being, right? Because if I say, okay, we are human beings and we are, we are human or we are anything. If we were, I don't know, Martians or something, right? Sure, It would work the same exact way. It doesn't matter, but we're human beings. And therefore what makes us human necessarily is a set of limitations, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you were to strip away all limits, you would strip away all those things that come together to be the emergent thing. That is what we are, right? So you can't, you can't take away the limits, right? Like if I said, okay, you have an unlimited garden and it's called the forest. It's like, you don't have a garden. You, that's a jungle and you don't own it. It owns you go in there, see what happens. Right. Um, so, so as limited beings, there must necessarily be things outside of our perception, outside of our ability to conceive, right? Because to have an ability to conceive, that is Itself, like a garden, a limitation that fulfills, let's say, our human telos. Okay, so gnosis is this idea that one can know beyond that. And why am I bringing that up? Well, in relation to the Tower of Babel, right? It's if you, if anyone thinks this, and if anyone claims this, I'll say this. Uh, Adam very well may disagree. Do not take anything I say as being (laughs) Adam's um beliefs unless he says that,
1: yeah. I'll clarify if I strongly disagree.
0: (laughs) I I actually don't think we will, okay. Um, but you know, you never know. I I get uh, I get excited sometimes, so love it. But but to claim that you have gnosis is to claim that one is essentially god right it is to construct oneself as one's own tower of babel um and it is to would say this this is a this is a bit of a it's not a jump but it'll feel like it for most people because once you go that far once you say i have the gnosis i know and therefore now i put myself in the position of god what i'm saying is i know what ought to be and what ought to be is different than what is, right? Because it does not make sense to say, I know what ought. And unless you're going to say everything that ought to be already is, in which case it, like the, the point of having gnosis just disappears, right? Because the point of having gnosis is to say, I know, and therefore you start making arguments that come off of that. So the person who says, I know, therefore you should be, you know, you should act this way. You should do this. These people were wrong because of everything that follows after that is the same argument that Mephistopheles makes in Faust, it's the same argument that Satan makes in Paradise Lost, the exact same argument. I, I've memorized the little Mephistelian one because it's fun, because uh, it's in impro- a verse. It's, um, uh, I am the spirit that negates, and rightly so, for all that comes to be deserves to perish wretchedly right because if you think you know gnosis like know with a g right yeah if you know how things ought to be because you have this because because you yourself are the divine being then that which is that disagrees with you deserves to be destroyed because it is in opposition to you because you obviously must be that have the will of god right um why am i, I saying all that i Uh, While I've seen a desire and a return for some deep connection to spirituality, I've seen likewise this, um, let's say, misplacement of that desire to worship false idols. Yes. We could say that. Um, And I think, I suspect, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think that that is like the most fundamental sin of pride and arrogance that slips in the back door through the feeling it gives one of having power, control, and, and wisdom that one does not possess. Do you think I'm overstating that?
1: No, I think it's. I think that's right on. And it seems like a very general, but I think it's very broad. It's in every area of our life, not just uh, when it comes to our views on God or religion, but politics, family, success in the workplace, all of that. Uh, we can uh basically think that we have all the answers because that helps us feel like we have control. Uh and when life gets chaotic, that's what we grasp for. We grasp for control. You know, can I I'm gonna check my bank account to make sure the money's still there. I'm gonna check it again to make sure it's still there. I'm gonna do uh kind of an audit of my relationships. I'm gonna call all my friends and my family just to make sure they still love me. And um if you're a parent, you're gonna try to control your kids and you quickly realize that not much is in your control. And um, if if we admit that, man, that can be disorienting. And so uh, it's one of the ways that we can try to uh, put a little bit of a bandaid on that is to uh, find these areas where we can say, I know this is the truth. This is the way that it is. And everybody else is wrong and um, when we do that in so many areas of our lives that we're, we lose a humbleness and we lose a willingness to learn and a willingness to be curious, I believe that basically we're just shutting down a, a part of uh, who we were created to be, the c- curious and creative and um, exploratory and and all of that um, is, is, I believe, baked into our DNA. And we essentially shut it off and um, pretend or try to convince ourselves that we have all the answers uh, in the name of God, uh, where God has already told us that we don't have all the answers, uh, but yet in his name, we choose to live our lives as if we do have all the answers.
0: That's literally... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not literally taking the Lord's name in vain? Exactly. Like like in the actual meaning of the word vain, because I know people say that when people curse. my understanding is that's not what that means. Taking the Lord's name in vain means uh, using the Lord's name to promote one's own vanity, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. misappropriating the name of God. And so, yeah, for my own purposes and reasons. And so if I were to use it for my political uh, you know, backing, and that that was really the only reason that I'm even mentioning God's name, not because I actually worship Him or pray, whatever it may be. Um, and so, yeah, that's exactly it. We use the Lord's name, uh, in misappropriate, in, in an inappropriate way,
0: yeah. And here's another way because you, you're very nice and you use the word band aid, um, right? I don't really think of the word band aid, maybe it's mostly because I've read a bunch of old books where they use a different word, um, and some people. Will- use this for their own malicious purposes, but the the metaphor fits. You know, you talked about how difficult it is to be humble in the Mm -hmm. face of God, and when when you experience that humility it feels simultaneously like pain and humiliation, right, because you, well for, I think it actually, no, I think for almost everyone it does, right, because what happens is you recognize that you're not as much as that you thought that you were, right? You you thought that you were able to do things that you couldn't do. You hit reality, and then you you feel the the pain of that the limitation. You have the we have this as human beings a desire to be able to. Um, I'll, I'll use the Nietzschean term fulfill our will to power. Now, all power means because people this is probably because of the um, you know World War Two and the the Nazis really did a number on words. But people sure. think of the word power and they think of like force, like yeah. I'm forcing you. But if you actually think about how you use the word power, like the power that gets delivered via electricity into your house, right? It allows you to do something, right? Yes. So when I use that word, all I mean- It's like is, fuel. Yeah. It, it's what uh, It's what allows one to- You have an end and you try to complete the end and then you do. So like if you have the power to make breakfast, (laughs) you have the power to, I don't know, crack a few eggs into a bowl, make an omelet, you know,
1: energy, um, fuel, whatever it is to help you accomplish a means to an end.
0: Yeah. So when I say the word will to power, will um, really, you can think of it in the German sense because the word is is, a German is a German word and it means desire, basically want. So we have a want to be able to do things like, oh, that's not profound. But when we discover that we can't, we experience that pain. And we use God in a religious sense. I think we also use other false idols to do this as well. Not just as small band-aids, but I think perhaps as um, sometimes people use them as opiates. Yes. Oh, yes. I agree. And I think that you you could tell me your experience with this, but I don't see a difference between the, let's say, snake-skinned politician using, uh, let's say, God to promote his campaign to seize uh, political power, and the person using God's name as an opiate in order to protect themselves as far as, far as using it in vain. Because if you think of the word vanity, right, because vain, is, the etymology is the same for vanity. If I'm protecting my own image from myself, is that really different than protecting my image or creating a false image for other people? right yeah. Using god
1: no i agree i th- I think it's one and the same for sure
0: and you know you would ask then like well why is that important or what's the significance is perhaps a better question of that and i would say that um the significance what's in my head right now is a quote by carl Jung, and he says mm-hmm. be wary of wisdom that you have not earned oh that's good yeah and you might think well what is that what what does that mean to you adam yeah be, be wary of wisdom you have not earned
1: i I use another quote, never trust anybody without a limp what with without a limp yeah. <laughs> never trust <laughs> anybody okay. without a limp big difference between a limb and limp yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> any of you out there without limbs i yeah I can trust you i promise yeah never trust anybody without a limp and it kind of goes hand in hand in that um in that when somebody has a limp, you know, they have a life experience. They've gone through something um, and they're willing to be vulnerable and to share their, their weakness. And so, man, they got something I can actually learn from. Uh, and the original quote that of Young, what was it again?
0: Be wary of wisdom you have not earned.
1: Okay. So wisdom that you haven't earned, you know, I can, I can read a book. I can watch a, a YouTube video. I can hear a sermon. I can listen to a amazing uh, podcast by a, a world-class thinker like Marquis uh, and hear a quote or hear a, a thought and think, ah, that's great. But if I haven't applied it and actually lived it out, uh, then I don't really know it. And so it's head knowledge, but it hasn't sunk down to the core of who I am until I actually have applied it, figured out what works and what doesn't work, uh, and been able to then uh be uh share it with others from a, a place of actually knowing uh not just knowing a little bit about and so I think a lot of times we go around um sharing information uh that we've heard other people say uh that we've never actually experienced ourselves. And so it's not a, a deep knowledge, it's a very surface level knowledge uh that hasn't been earned.
0: Ooh, you're so nice. Okay, so here's the uh here's the the sharper-tongued version of that uh coming through because the what as we're talking the the uh, definition right of belief i think we should hammer that out so we just talked about gnosis we can bring that down a level and i want to talk about knowledge versus belief versus opinion okay and it'll become relevant very fast so when we say uh I'll run through the the classic definitions I use and my own personal ones I use for these. So I use the classic for knowledge, which is a justified true belief. Right um, now we can get into the weeds about philosophically, like it's almost impossible to actually get knowledge because, like, then you have to know what is true, but then the only that which is true is the, the same definition as God, and you can't know God because yes. you're so.
1: Where's so, the mystery and all yeah, that? Yeah. yeah.
0: So. Just we'll set that aside because you can solve that problem, like you're the most amazing philosopher of the world and you need to write it in a book and then be remembered yes. for all of time. Um, so then we come to belief and opinion. Now I'm going to jump uh, over belief because I want to come back to it. So I I actually hate the word opinion because people mean many different things that really should be mutually exclusive when they use the word opinion. So people, when they use the word opinion, sometimes they mean their preferences. So just like what they prefer, what they like, but then sometimes they use it to mean what they believe is true, right? Believe is true, not what they're claiming knowledge, but what they, you know, if they have to make a bet, that's where they're going to put their money down, right? Um, And I think we should relegate the idea of opinion to preferences and not let opinion touch beliefs. I think it actually profanes Um, the, the definition of belief that I'm going to put forward now. So let's, let's take, we've got knowledge on one side. It's kind of inaccessible to us. We've got, uh, opinion, which I've now, I've now severed from the definition of belief. And I think what we believe is fundamentally what we act in accordance with, or a better way to say that might be, uh. How we act as though we thought it were true. Yes. Now you notice I use the word "act" and I use the word "behave." Now, are you are you you know good with that?
1: Or- A- absolutely, absolutely. In my opinion, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I I am absolutely good with that because uh, even in even in in the Christian tradition, in the Book of James, uh, you know it says uh, faith without works is dead and so there's a and jesus and when he teaches in the sermon on the mount um he he gives some really difficult things to do that uh, a lot of christians in america today and all around the world uh don't actually do (laughs) and and so it's easy for us to then say we believe but if we don't actually put it into action do we really believe Uh, or is it a preference or something a thought that we like um, if we actually believe it, then we are going to take action with intentionality uh, to put it into practice. Now, notice I use the word practice because uh, just because we believe something uh, doesn't mean we're going to do it perfect. Uh, but if we actually believe it, we are going to put it into practice with the intention of uh, progressing Uh, in our ability to make sure our actions and behaviors, which are the two words you used, actually match our stated belief.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting about that is it suggests, this is really important for uh, you listeners out there, actually, it suggests that what we think, that what we believe and what we actually believe are not necessarily and perhaps are not often in accord with one another. Right. Um, Now, let me put that a different way, because
1: perhaps most often, not just often, most often.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Most often, I would say. Um, But that means is that we have a great capacity for self-deception.
1: Deception Deception and denial.
0: Yeah. Um, And you you mentioned before, you called it shallow knowledge. Um, I have a tendency um, that I I try to keep in check uh, because it's it is i think motivated by the same instincts that bring me to a feeling of of, of revenge which you always have to watch out for if you don't if you out listeners out there don't think you have it um i don't think you're correct (laughs) i think everyone needs to pay attention to watch when they're trying to let's say i called it uh in a a podcast with um broverman i called it the spirit of Cain, right like and you have to look because it's if you if you don't think it's there all that'll happen is that it'll sneak up on you because you think you're able, and yeah. the same thing will happen to you.
1: Yeah, it it will rear its ugly head at the least opportune time <laughs> when, yeah. when you least suspect
0: it. <laughs> so um, I agree. Yeah, right. That, I think that's kind of in, in accord with the idea of original sin, right? That we are these creatures who have this, and we we have to carry it with us. But yes, yeah, so we we don't necessarily <laughs> believe what we think we believe. We believe how we act, which, um, I'm interested, uh, really from a Christian perspective, um, how one conceives of that. I just don't know. Um, the idea that one has, cause I can, I can think about it in a kind of, uh, you know, secular psychological way or union way where you have this idea of the ego, uh, and then in a union frame, like an ego, the ego is really, it's, it's, almost like an uh, intellectual eye, it can point in a direction, but it doesn't actually fundamentally make the choices, you have the rest of you, which you essentially, uh, and actually if you look and read Nietzsche before him, Nietzsche wanted, he didn't like the people he called the free thinkers, he liked free spirits and how he delineated that. As the free thinkers, uh, or the lineage that eventually gave birth to you might be familiar with like the new atheist and and the, and those that crowd. Nietzsche didn't like them because he thought they were all they weren't free thinkers. He thought they were uh conformist and rather shallow minded. <laughs> He's very judgmental. But um what he thought was we should not do he we should not do away with the conception of the soul. Nietzsche had thought that was a bad idea. Nietzsche actually thought that we should take metaphysics and physics and recognize that they should be, I would use the word collapse into one another. Um, If I was Dostoevsky, right? The the famous Russian author, uh, I would say something like we would elevate physics into metaphysics, right? You'd say it the other way around um, because he happened to be uh, a religious man himself. And so it doesn't matter which way you want to think about it. But the idea is that we would raise the body to the level of the soul uh, or Nietzsche would say, bring the soul back down into the body. But that the idea is that our essence, our soul, is not separable from us as we are. It means it's not separable for it's not separable from our instincts. And I bring I want to bring this back to you, and then I'll throw the question back to you. That's why sure. I had to go so far in the field. But that, to bring that around in a union sense, what that means is what you call the unconscious which is the rest of us that isn't just this little section of our brain in the front so the rest of the brain plus all the hormones of the body plus, plus the nerve uh nerve our nervous system and its interconnection with just the rest of our material self we are mostly our soul rather than the ego and that's not separable from the body it's like I don't know if it's like anti-Cartesian dualism, but it's like not two separate, but one the same. Um, and that's what explains the, the self-deception is that you have this eye that thinks it knows because it sees, but it doesn't see everything it doesn't see. Sure. Right. Does that make
1: sense? I, I, think, I, I think I'm tracking. Okay. Is that kind of like a bad wolf, good wolf? You have both. You have an essence of both. You can't really separate them, but it's whichever one you feed is going to be, uh, is going to grow within you. I mean, yeah.
0: Maybe this line you will know, we'll, we'll break that all down into one sentence. Let's see. I know you're, you've got to be familiar with the Solzhenitsyn quote: uh, "The heart, or uh, the line between good and evil, mm-hmm. runs between the heart of every man." And, and one more sentence to tack on to that: What that means is that man's heart is both good and evil yes. at the same time. Yep. Which means that there there are two conflicting. Things it's yeah. not one. It is one thing because they're two halves of a yes. whole. Yes, but it's it's also two halves of a whole, not just one whole. That night, does that make sense? I got,
1: I got gotcha, you. I get you. Now you know Jesus um was confronted by. Uh, uh, a Pharisee who asked them, you know, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your mind, body, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so there's this integration part of our mind, body, soul, and strength, all of who we are. Um, You get down into, you get into uh, Paul's writings, and, and, you know, in Romans chapter 7, he he says, I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the thing. I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. You know, I'm I'm at war within myself, basically. What he what he says, uh, and uh, a lot of the kingdom of God here on earth talk that Jesus gives throughout the Sermon on the Mount um, is is kind of this already not yet uh, language. And I think that's the language of the kingdom of God here on earth. It's already begun. It's happening. The the chaos is being put into order, but we of course are going to hyper focus on the not yet part uh, until it until it's complete, and that happens on an individual level too. Uh, We are works in progress. None of us have it all figured out. There's mystery. Uh, We do our best to put into practice the things that Jesus. uh, And I'm again, I'm talking from a, a Christian tradition here. That I do my best to put into practice the things that Jesus has told me to do. Um, they're very difficult to do. Uh, I, uh, When I look back on a more of a macro scale, five, 10, 15, 20 years, wow, like there's a lot of progress. You know, I would consider it God's grace, but also my intentionality, taking steps, learning lessons, self-reflection, self-awareness. Um, but on the micro scale, uh, in the moment, Um, it's much easier for me to focus on uh, the not yet uh, and to see, oh my goodness, like I'm so proud and I can't believe I made such an arrogant comment or I can't believe I responded uh, to that person in in that way or man, I wasn't a very loving husband or father today or whatever it might be and to get really down on myself. Uh, And again, that's on an individual level. But then when I look out at the world, Oh my goodness like the world's falling apart it's all going to hell in a handbasket and and everything that and you just watch the news for 2 seconds and you can see uh that that's the case and you can build up your list of uh reasons why it's not yet uh as it should be uh and so I I kind of in my mind um it's very very important to to remember that we're works in progress to give myself grace, to give other people grace, uh, to focus on the good that is happening, learn from the bad that has happened and continues to happen and will continue to happen, uh, and uh, move forward in bringing a little bit more of the 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 uh, already into the not yet, if that makes sense.
0: No, it does. Um, so there's two Zen Buddhist quotes I'm going to throw at you that relate to this. So the first one's from the Hagakure is written by a samurai, um, Sonotomo, I think, Yamamoto. Um, and he's essentially, I want to paraphrase it because I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's essentially, you know, there is no difference between right now and at that time. Mm. And he says that you should think that every day, mm. right? There is no difference between right now and at that time. And, um, the next one's a little bit longer. So I'll explain what I think that means. I think what that means is we exist a long time as a dimension, which means, you know, we think of three dimensions like height, length, width, right. And we don't really think about time because we don't like, you know, we don't see time. We don't handle it, but like there was a you in the past and then there there will be you in the future. And then there's obviously um, a termination on our human life, but then the world itself then goes outside of that. And there is no real separation right between the time of the past and the time in the future and right now because we're just a constant continuum moving and you you exist with yourself across that time and with other people across that time and and so you can't you can't really break one moment of time from all the iterations of time forward and backward we like to do, like you mentioned, we like to do it and think in yeah. term, in these sections, but the truth is, you know, it's not, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. It's like, well, right now is not different than tomorrow. And it's a tomorrow you'll say, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. You you know, it's you, you, when you realize, you know, that, you are living your life right now and the decisions that you're making right now. Remember we talked about belief for those of you out there listening who might've forgot, uh, what you believe is in accord with how you act Mm. because you can lie to yourself, but your actions don't lie because if you're acting that way, it's now in accord with what you believe.
1: Yeah, that's true. What, what you do is who you are is a quote that I've heard. And I, I think that's so true. And so that puts it into perspective of, I can say, well, you know, I believe this and, and I'm going to be this person someday. But if my day-to-day actions in the big things and the small things uh, show something different, well, what I'm doing in the small things uh, is who I will be in, in, in every area of my life in one way or another. Yeah. So I think that kind of connects a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, it is it is actually the, a really great way to unpack because uh, like the zebu is like make everything tiny right um but it's a really way to unpack that same idea it's like yeah the way that you um you know if you come home from work uh and you know you've got a spouse or your kids the way that you w- welcome them i don't know it's weird to say welcome but like the way you interact with them right when you come home you're going to do that a thousand thousand times and so that small action is going to get iterated over and over and over again and it is going to be one of many things like that that exists within each moment that will make up the majority of your relationship with that person because we think of like the big events but like it's small moments moment to moment to moment yeah that are going to change that the other the other uh quote I had it's actually like a tiny little mini micro story uh, again, I'll paraphrase, but essentially there's, uh, there's a young monk in a monastery and all the other monks here, like, uh, oh, he's, you know, we've heard he's reached, uh, enlightenment. Uh, I believe the uh, Kyojin is the monk's name and they all rush up to Kyojin because they're all excited. And it's like, you know, is it true that you've reached enlightenment? And I was like, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, oh, what is it like? What is it like? And he, you know, he waits for a second. And he's like, you know, or no, they ask how, how does it feel having reached enlightenment? And his answer to them, I love his answer. He says, "Yeah, it's as miserable as ever." <laughs> but that—I mean—that struck me. I read that when I was a teenager, and I've never, ever, for a moment, forgotten that story. Because as a teenager, I kind—I of, kind of got, kind of got the message: the state of enlightenment is not peace from all suffering. So uh, Kyogen just articulated, you're going to be like there's no there's no escape from misery. There's a question about whether you accept the fact that there is going to be misery and pain and suffering and conflict in life, and there always is because if you eliminate all conflict outside of you, guess where you're going to find it inside. Yes, it's still going to be there. Um, and so peace um, is to put one's you could say put one's will in accord with what is rather than to make it in opposition to what is. So in a Christian sense, it's to make your will in alignment with God's will, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's the
1: prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so rather than praying that this pain and suffering go away, which is something that a lot of Christians do, we all do, regardless of our religious tradition, uh, uh, rather than praying for that. And there's nothing wrong with asking for that, I don't I don't think. But Acknowledging that this is going to be an ongoing part of my life and what can I learn from it and how can I grow from it and how can I be a better service as a result of this? And so when suffering happens in my life, um, you know, when we have that perspective uh, or even if it's years later, we're able to look back and have some self-awareness and some perspective uh then uh it changes it changes everything because we're not looking to avoid the pain and the suffering um you know being rescued away from this evil world, which so many Christians are longing for uh as opposed to understanding that we have an opportunity to actually be a part of uh bringing uh God's beauty and love and grace into this world which he created and loves uh and so that's my personal belief um and that's a oh that's a whole other uh, uh, rabbit trail there, but uh, kind of relates.
0: And it absolutely relates, right? Because it, it's saying, you know, uh, right now is to drop back that back to that. Right now is not different from at that time. If you right now is not different from like being in paradise in the kingdom of heaven. That's what that means. So, if to realize, like to. If you can look at the world, if you can look at what God made, I'm going to speak in Christian terms, even though uh, those listening probably know I'm not a Christian myself. Though so I keep finding that I, I talk to Christians and it's like, I just agree with you with about just about everything, and which confuses me. You can tell me what you think about that because that's that's something that's been addling, not addling my mind, kind of <laughs> addling my mind. Um, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm, again, losing myself. So to recognize it's like, you you look at what God made, and like God, you say that is good, right? Because that's that's being like, in Genesis, you know. Uh, God's I'm going to misquote it, yeah. something like God's make upon the face of the waters, and he makes it. He says that, he says that is good over. things like over and over. Yeah, again, over right? and
1: over again. Created a huge man, but yeah. he's good.
0: And um, this this will be a little bit more of a controversial statement. We don't have to go into it, but something that Nietzsche said was he thought um that the only Christian, real Christian, was Christ on the cross. And he thought that for specific reason. That actually is is actually really pro-Christian for the book that he put it in, which was a book called The Antichrist, which halfway through the Antichrist, he's like, and here's how to like to read this story and for it to have tons of value. And it's like, Nietzsche, you're a troll. <laughs> That's what you are. You're an eight-year 19th century troll. Yeah. Um but he said like, look, what makes Christ the Christian is that he in his Absolute state of suffering," said, "Forgive them,
1: Father. Forgive them for they know not what what they they do. do, Right
0: to say, like, look, I'm not blaming you. Yes, this this is the way it is, and that release of blame, which is fundamentally like a letting go of the spirit of vengeance, right? Like, I'm not to not blame them is to not want vengeance on them. To, To say, I know that I'm in absolute agony, but this is God's will." And rather than me will I wasn't in agony, to accept the fact that I I'm in you know this physical pain, but I accept that right. It's that is the let's say the convergence of the now and at that time, right now to rec to recognize that one. You, tell me if I'm wrong, I've gone too far with this, but it's like saying the kingdom of God is in oneself right then, at that moment that one. Acts like Christ acted, which is to say, one believes in Christ. Because if you act in accordance with that, that would be to say that you believe. Yeah, is that not
1: there's congruence there, right? Yeah, between our action and our
0: belief. And is that not? Would you say that's is that not what faith is? Then
1: I I agree, and I think that that's something that a lot of uh, uh, Christians, unfortunately, um, have. In in one sense, uh they've made it more complicated their definitions of things like faith and salvation and um but in another way they've way oversimplified it. And as a result, it just becomes uh, something that even the vast majority of folks that go to church and call themselves Christians don't have a grasp on on what Christ's intentions were and what he actually is calling people to do when they follow him. And and your what you just said coming from a Nietzsche quote uh is uh, way more in alignment with uh, Christ uh values and what he calls us Christ followers uh to do than uh what many of us uh have been portrayed uh growing up in our church going to Sunday school and uh, it's really unfortunate uh because the the I believe that Christ followers throughout the centuries, uh, a lot of good was done. Now, obviously we can look at history and we can see that a lot of bad uh, was done too in the name of, of of God and in the name of Jesus. Uh, but again, that's the already not yet on a more macro, even governmental uh, type of, of level. And so I, I think what we have a tendency to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that's what I did. I was uh, uh, never grew up in a Christian home. My dad hated uh, Christianity. Um, his dad had been a pastor. And so he saw the hypocrisy and he saw uh, the organizational structure, that flawed system uh, that his father had been a part of. And uh, he threw the baby out with the bathwater. And, and so when I uh, became a, a Christ follower at 16, and told him that I might wanna become a pastor. Uh, he said, if you move in with your, if you go to that Bible college to become a pastor, you're wasting your mind uh, and I'm not gonna give you a dime. Uh, he said, you go to any other college, I'll pay for it. But if you go to, to become a pastor, I'm not giving you a dime. And so I joined the Army National Guard so that I could help pay for it myself and uh, went to school and and became a, became a, a youth pastor and then a, a pastor of of a church that uh was way more legalistic and back to our conversation kind of put uh god into a box and was very uh limiting into the the ways that I could live my life and the ways that I could uh do ministry and it became overwhelming uh to to have that freedom restricted Uh, in every area of my life and it just didn't seem to match up with the ways of Jesus and I said if this is what it means to follow Jesus or to be a pastor or to be a Christian even I'm done and I literally threw the baby out with the bathwater and Uh, Not sure if listeners out there are familiar with the the story of Jonah, uh, but God had a call in on Jonah's life and Jonah said, Nope, I'm out of here. And literally didn't even stay where he was in Joppa went 2,500 miles, the opposite uh, direction of Tarshish called to Nineveh goes to Tarshish, literally the end of the world at that known time. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what I did. And I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm done with this." And I went and got my MBA and got into banking and um, just set up more goals and idols for myself <laughs> and reached them and kept getting promoted and I uh, had the success of the world, uh, but uh, was still empty inside. And um, it's uh, kind of a, a crazy thing to think this time around when, when one crazy story after another that we may or may not have time for but no need to get into it right now, of uh, never thought I'd be back in the ministry, but here I am. And it was one of those things of um, what are your frustrations with the, the Christian faith and how it's portrayed? Um, and can you do it in a way that's different than that? Um, and And really, a lot of that is blaming and criticizing, other churches and other organizations. And even until five or six years ago, that was a lot of my message. Um, look how bad those Christians are. Look how bad those churches are. Look look what it did to me. And here we go back to a story that you mentioned earlier, where a lot of blame, and that's our tendency is to, to blame others, to criticize others. Um, whereas recently I've kind of learned to look inside Uh, for some a little bit of self-awareness and what can I take ownership of in how I reacted when they treated me that way or when I disagreed with them Um, and how can I perhaps do that in a way that's more in alignment with Christ and as I change myself and the way that I understand what it means to follow Christ then I'm able to portray that to my church and uh even more importantly to people outside of the church that i i meet at a coffee shop or meet for a drink somewhere and am able to just talk about their life and get to know them and meet them where they're at and um oftentimes learn from them just as much if not more than what i uh have to teach uh teach them and so um kind of off track there uh but it it uh just kind of made me begin to think about how christianity um has been portrayed uh in a way that it, especially uh in the last i don't know 100 years or so in a way that's pretty different than the way that christ uh portrayed it uh or intended for it to be
0: i would love to go on but we i think are past our time so we better wrap it up i I've, i really do have like a bunch of
1: questions. No, i start i start talking about christianity and you're like we're out <laughs> we're out
0: No, no, do keep yeah. going I, there's I, I
1: don't mind going for another maybe 15 or 20 minutes if you want well
0: okay um, depends
1: and if you think we're going to jump into a topic that's going to go past that then maybe we should
0: let's let's just push in one more question because I, I really am really curious about this okay so um i have found uh, i i mentioned it earlier um really getting along with Christians. A lot of my uh, friends, people I interact with now happen to be people of faith and I'm very happy to interact with them. Um, and my curiosity, and you just mentioned going out and talking and meeting with other people and, and trying to learn from them. And um, what the, the question I want to ask is, why is it that you think despite coming from perhaps a number of very different and disparate, um, let's say spiritual or philosophical backgrounds, like we can sit down and have this conversation and we have absolutely no trouble understanding one another. And we don't really even disagree. I'm pretty sure we don't actually disagree about did we during the whole of the conversation? I think I, I I really pushed it.
1: Yeah, not once. I mean, even all all your quotes and philosophers and 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 uh, different religi- religious uh, uh pundits and and not once did I disagree with anything that you said.
0: So how is that? How is that possible? Because on the face of things, you would think from an outside perspective, like yeah, we should, we don't. Like what 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 do you think is happening?
1: I I think that back to the very beginning of the conversation when you kind of talked about uh laws of the universe i think you touched on that just a a tad um that there are uh there are laws that are perhaps beyond our ability to fully understand or or comprehend um that uh, no matter who we are uh we're created uh in god's image now we might not fully understand who God is or what or be able to define him in the same way. But we are created in God's image um, and we have a natural tendency uh, to uh, run away from uh, our stated purpose. And we have a natural tendency to run towards. And all of these different traditions and philosophies are man's attempts at running towards. And because uh, we have that same DNA baked into us as as beings, human beings created in God's image. Again, this is my belief, not my opinion. <laughs> and th- that because that's baked into us, uh, that we're going to find we're much more likely when we set aside our pride or we set aside, um, you know, that, that strict uh, kind of pharisaical uh, organization of this is the way that it is. Um, that we're going to find much more in common than we ever will uh, to disagree. And sometimes it's just the willingness to see the commonality. Um, it's always been there, but things like language can complicate it to where little things that um, maybe are are nuanced we don't see we see as as that's a that's a wall that I'm not willing to. To cross over, when in reality it's actually uh, not that big of a, a of a, a wall. As we're the ones creating the wall.
0: Yeah, that reminds me for the listeners who might have listened to it. There's a conversation between uh, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. And Sam Harris comes from The the New Atheist. And I had actually known about him way before I knew about Jordan. Um, now, I watched our conversation with great frustration because um, Sam essentially had the equivalent of, like, PTSD with anything that uses religious language yes. in the traditions he had battled against. So, you know, Jordan would say something that, you know, uh, Brett uh, Weinstein, who had, I think moderated their big discussions they had, they had four of them, um, who would say, oh, I know what you mean. Like when Jordan says this, he means this. So you just translate. He didn't get like triggered by the language. But I think oftentimes when we think that we know with a G, gnosis, right? We think that we know It's not different than building our own little Tower of Babylon, whether we think that we know through our uh, ideology, which is essentially like a, a Tower of Babylon pseudo religion, or we think we know... Because we have put God in a box and we now that we control the box, we know, right? Um that prevents us from talking to one another. Tower of Babylon, if you didn't get it in your head. Yeah. I mean, that's it's that's the story, right? Um and so perhaps it's in the in the moment that you're willing to be humble, uh, or that I'm willing to be humble, we don't get caught up in these language traps and we identify that we're we're talking about the same thing. You know, I came a bunch of things in my head. So there's a chapter in the Zhang it's one of the Taoist texts, and it's um, what is it? Fragmentation betokening full virtuosity. And what that means is that it is being broken um by your interface with the Tao, which I translate that to a Christian language, right? Like we we're saying we we're trying to do is sure you interact with God and when you what happen, or we wrestle with God, if you're talking about before we recorded. Yeah. what what happens? Well, so he dislocates your hip. Mm-hmm. You become uh, someone with a limp, like yeah. you are saying,
1: right? Never trust anybody without you a, without a
0: limp. limp, right? Well, that's because you come to virtue, which the classic Greek idea of virtue, essentially, is that you are able to bring about your You're able to bring about your will. Well, the best way to do that is to make your will in accord with that which is. Yes. Right? You transform the self in one's own desires to be in accord with that which is, which is making your will in alignment with God's will. And you do that through allowing yourself to be broken by allowing yourself to suffer by, again, the Christian language, bearing your cross. Yeah. Then that transforms you into someone who your will comes about because your will is not different.
1: Yeah, it's in alignment with
0: right? Um, or I can even put this in secular language. The reason I'm doing that is because I want the audience sure. to hear how it's not different. doesn't matter really where you're coming from. So the secular way, if I say you're, you're one of the you know, hard secular atheists out there, well, if you would say are a proponent of Darwinian evolution, I happen to be, um, the line that makes us what we are is heritable right we inherited from our ancestors now the ancestors that did not successfully propagate in accord with reality right which isn't uh, different from the idea of god they didn't propagate so their genes didn't pass on so they did they do not have the instincts that make them in the image of god because there's no there's no difference between being let's say making yourself in the image of god by wrestling with god coming away with a limp it, it, it's so funny to say that because that means being being injured by interfacing and wrestling with God makes you more God like, like not yeah. God, but God like. Yeah, sure. And that's not different with the idea that um, your ancestors the the evolutionary path of human beings is in accordance with god because everything that wasn't in accordance with god doesn't didn't propagate yeah so there i've done secularism i've done east asian uh religion and philosophy and christianity and it's the same
1: thing absolutely so i'm right i'm right there with you it's and and into evolution stuff i mean trauma from generations and from you know that's a whole different podcast and a whole different path there but um, i'm I'm right there with you, and um, I think it's a beautiful thing that we can learn from each other and um hopefully uh, that is something that uh, we can uh, continue to grow in as a culture is being able to um, ask questions, being able to to see how there really are connections, and that is something that you do a great job of of asking questions, being curious, sharing your knowledge freely and openly. Uh, being very vulnerable, uh, but also asking how it relates. And um, I think that that's uh, something that a lot of, in particular, uh, evangelical Christians uh, can learn a lot from. uh, Instead of holding up signs or protesting or feeling like our rights are being taken away, um, actually um, getting to know people, seeing them, uh, seeing the commonalities rather than uh the things that we presume to be different uh and starting there and and then friendships can happen and and unity can happen even if um they don't come over to our side on a certain issue or belief and we don't go over to that side we 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 kind of can can see that there's common threads uh because we are uh human beings and uh we can we can move forward and and make the world a better place uh than if we uh are so um just proud and uh kind of absolutely set on my way or the highway everybody else is wrong and evil and 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 pushing others away and i I sadly think that's uh that's way too
0: common today yeah well hopefully. This conversation will have done quite a bit to correct that. At um, least I hope so. All right, folks. Um, I've extracted quite a bit of Adam's of of time, but I'm very thankful that you came here. Um, this is a really, really great conversation.
1: Yeah, awesome. Maybe we can do it again
0: sometime yeah uh, before we go I'll do my quick outro um, for those of you who have listened this far thank you so much I want to uh, direct you back to my website wild I'll let you can listen to the rest of the podcast like this uh, if you want conversations very similar to this um, all of mine with Josh end up coming here Josh Broberman and then um, the one with uh, Alan also uh, we, we dove a little bit into spirituality as well so you can get those there I have my editing service I won't go through the whole spiel again Um also So my book wand smoke broken, check that out. Um, Lastly, uh, I'll throw a word in. If you're listening to this right when it comes around about when it comes out, I have a Kickstarter campaign. I want to promote really just very shortly. Uh, I am rather an impoverished philosopher as most philosophers were It's easier in Greece when you could just be a hobo on the street and then like yell at young people and then get money somehow. Uh, uh, But but no, you could help out uh quite a lot um for uh Wand Smoke Tales from the Labyrinth. Um I've been promoting it all over my social media, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Uh you can sign up to my mailing list, I'll definitely throw out an email in the middle of the month about the Kickstarter campaign it runs until June 26th. So please help out if you can, it'll pay for the book covers. I'm going to be releasing five different uh, installments. So the covers are going to be kind of expensive across them. All right. Um, That's enough for my shilling. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on and we'll see you guys all next time.